God bless him so very, very, very much. Brother Prado, we have a message for you because we know you have one for us. We want you to come and we want you to Amen. Let's give Jesus a great big hand clap of praise. Oh, come on. It feels good here on a Monday night. Of God. Hallelujah. Amen. Should I use the other mic? Amen. I'm going to switch microphones really quick. Amen. Hallelujah. How many of you are glad to be in God's house? Amen. Hallelujah. I, uh, I want us to turn to the book of Titus, the second chapter. I... Um, I was praying and uh, rather surprised that what I feel to preach about this evening, I have a very targeted audience. The first half of my message is pretty much good for everyone. The second half of this message and the final part of this message, I'm going to zero in on a particular demographic in this church. And... Um, I hope I do God's will. Amen. Uh, it might get a little tricky, but uh, help me out. Let's be prayerful. Let's be spiritual. I uh, was really shocked at what God wants me to preach, but I haven't probably preached this message in close to 10 years. So uh, here we go. But I do believe that tonight is going to be a monumental night for someone. Titus 2.11 says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodly and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Zealous of good works. And I want to preach to you tonight on this thought, the threat, the threat. Can we say that together? The threat. Jesus, we thank you for your word and for the power of your spirit. God, you've allowed us to congregate here on this Monday night. I pray that you would anoint me now to preach your word and to do so with clarity and unction and passion. In Jesus' name, I pray and everyone said, amen. amen. Let's give the Lord one more good hand clap of praise. Be open, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. The book of Revelation, along with other prophetic writings of the Bible, are very clear about the fact that some of the final pinches and pangs that will come on the world will include natural disasters. There is, quite honestly reason to be concerned. Jesus, Jesus is very clear about the fact that as we near the end of a particular period, there are going to be natural disasters. I believe that some will be natural <laughs> and others will be 
induced and the result of humans' ability to abuse things and misuse things. We will have earthquakes. We will have famines. We will have pestilence. There will be disease. There will be signs in the heavens. There will be natural disasters. There will be problems on planet earth in the physical sense. But I want to talk to you a little bit about spiritual problems. Because as I speak, the hole in the ozone might be expanding, but rest assured that it's small compared to the hole found in mankind's heart today. The change in climate is nothing compared to the heat waves of rage and violence running throughout our city streets right now. The polar ice caps shouldn't worry us half as much as the iniquity that is abounding in people's hearts because their hearts are waxing cold and colder every day. In the natural world, species are dependent on the health of their environments. If an environment becomes uninhabitable, that species of that environment will suffer, if not totally be eradicated. Spiritually and socially speaking, every advance that we take towards evil is done at the expense of eradicating good and godly things on planet Earth. We are encroaching upon a time in human history where there will be less and less habitations for good and godly things. And the good that does endure until the day that Jesus comes will live under constant threat and attack. We are exhorted to take note of these things, not for the sake of despairing, but for the sake of knowing how we ought to live in this present world. The Apostle Paul gives us insight into what virtues and what good and godly qualities will be threatened in this present environment. In Timothy chapter 3, he says, Know this also, that in the last days, everyone say, that's now. In the last days, grievous times will be upon us. Say us. Grievous times will be upon us. For men will be lovers of self. Amen. Loving others will come under attack. They will be lovers of money. Being generous and being giving will come under attack. They will be boasters and proud. Humility will come under attack. They will be blasphemers. Religion and reverence will come under attack. They will be disobedient to parents. Obedience will be under attack. Amen. Hallelujah. They will be unthankful. Thankfulness will come under attack. They will be unholy. Holiness will be under attack. They will be without natural affection. Natural affections and emotions and feelings will be under attack. Unyielding. Amen. False accusers, without self-control, savage, despisers of good, traitors, reckless, puffed up, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. All you have to do is think about all of these things opposite, and they're positive opposites, and you will see that these things are being threatened right now. And they are not just being threatened out in the world, amen, they are being threatened in the church as well. Amen. Evil is not content with simply oppressing good. It wants to make it extinct. It wants to eradicate it. And not just in the world, but in the church. I worry about the shortage of good people walking on the street today. But brother, I want to be honest with you when I tell you that I worry about the amount of good people in the church today. I'm not trying to paint a bleak and 
and dark picture here. I believe that there are a lot of good people in the church. Uh, but I, I believe that the good people, as well as the not so good people, amen, are being affected, uh, amen, and infected in some cases by the environment. Uh, there is no arguing that the temperature outside the building uh, is affecting the temperature inside the building. Uh, there is no questioning uh, that even these days that we are living in now, uh, there are people that are not just uh, somewhat misbehaving in the church. Uh, they are committing all kinds of foul uh, and reckless things in the church. Uh, amen. There is a threat. Uh, there is an attack. Uh, amen. On good and godly things. Uh, somebody shout amen. 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 But what I really want to preach on tonight is a particular threat, amen, that I am very worried about. And the thing that I see being threatened, amen, just about more than anything else, at least from my perspective, is the amount of young people that are answering the call to ministry. Amen. I I believe with all of my heart that there are people here tonight, there are young people here tonight, that there is a call of God on your life, uh, and it is being threatened. Uh, it is being threatened by the environment that we live in. Uh, it is being challenged by the environment that we are living in. Uh, I hope that you believe me when I tell you that I preach in a lot of churches uh, every, almost every day of the year, 365, amen? And I am seeing less and less people huh, answering the call of God. Huh? Amen. I did not say that I see less and less people with a call of God. I said that I see less and less young people answering a call to the ministry. Amen. Hallelujah. We live in a world right now where the the best marketing strategies huh, is to offer people choices, huh, is to offer them options. Huh. You can get as many kinds of ketchup, mustard, and hamburgers as you want. Huh. You've got options on what kind of cereal you want. Huh. You've got options on what kind of milk you want. Huh. You've got options on what kind of car you want. Huh. You get options everywhere. Huh. And a lot of young people are being affected by their environment, huh, and they think that there are options. Huh. Amen. There are viable options. Amen. You don't have to say yes to God. You have options. You don't have to live a, 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 a sacrificing life. There's options. You don't have to live a dedicated, prayerful life. You got options. You, you don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be a preacher's wife. You don't have to be a missionary or a home missionary. You don't have to put up with this. You got options. You can do something else with your life. Uh, young person, I want you to know tonight, uh, it is true that you can do other things, uh, but what is also true is that you will never do anything uh, more fulfilling, uh, more satisfying, uh, more gratifying, uh, more rewarding uh, than answering the call of God on Oh, come on, somebody. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Is this all right tonight? I'm going to need some parents uh, to help me preach tonight uh, because it might just be your baby uh, that God is calling on. Uh, I'm going to need some parents uh, to help me preach tonight because uh, it might just be your son or your daughter uh, that knows God is talking to them right now. Uh, it might just be your son uh, and your daughter uh, that's dodging the call, uh, that's trying to hide from Jesus. Uh, it might just be your son uh, or your daughter that's wrestling with fulfilling your dreams rather than God's dreams. It might just be your son and your daughter, amen, that thinks, amen, that there is something better to life than answering the call of God that's been on them ever since they were a young child. I'm going to need some parents to help me preach, amen, that ever since your child was in the womb, you dedicated that child. Ever before that child was ever dedicated up 
here by the pastor. Uh, you wept in a bedroom uh, and put your hands on your stomach uh, and said, God, take this child uh, and use it for your glory. Uh, and we are living in a day and an age uh, where God says, I'm fixing to take you up on that prayer. Uh, I'm going to need that young man. Uh, I'm going to need that young lady. Uh, I'm going to have to answer that prayer now. Uh, I'm going to need some Hannahs uh, that are willing to drop their kids off uh, at the altar tonight. Uh, I'm going to... I'm going to need some Jacobets uh, that are willing to put their children uh, in the hands of God. Uh, not in the hands of Pharaoh, uh, but in the hands of God. Uh. Oh, come on, let's magnify Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Oh, Jesus, Jesus. Come on, we need a move of God here tonight. I feel a good spirit, but we got to go a little deeper because what's going to happen here tonight is very deep. What's going to happen here tonight is very significant. What's going to happen here tonight is going to be an answer to prayer. It's going to be an answer to fasting. It's going to be an answer to the purpose of this church. I know without a shadow of a doubt, amen, that your pastor and everybody who's ever been involved in ministry here, desires there to be preachers that come out of this church, uh, missionaries that come out of this church, uh, prayer warriors that come out of this church. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Oh, hallelujah. One of the things that is going on in our environment today, and I believe that it is deliberate. You can think whatever you want of me. Amen. This is my last day here. Hallelujah. But I, I went the other day with your pastor, amen, to Azusa Street. And as I was sitting in the back car, in the back seat of the, uh, of the car, and, and, and Pastor Booker was talking about, amen, all the glorious things that happened just right there in the Los Angeles area, I begin to think, amen, it is no mistake stake that the devil put Hollywood right here. He will do anything uh, to, 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 to cover uh, a move of God. Uh, he will do anything, uh, amen, to, to make sure that people's attention uh, is directed towards carnality uh, rather than spirituality. He would rather put Hollywood right here in Los Angeles uh, and have everybody forget about Azusa Street and have everybody forget about the outpouring of the Holy Ghost uh, and have everybody forget. Uh, he'd rather, oh, come on somebody. Come on. I'm telling you, I'm telling you the devil is what he calculates every move. He He's no ignorant. He knows exactly what he's doing. He knows exactly what to cover. He knows exactly what to smear. Oh Jesus. Oh Jesus. But one of the things that is in our environment, one of the toxicities of our environment is that failing ministers get a lot of attention. I remember just a few years ago, uh, there was a story uh, about a woman in, in the news uh, who had killed a child, and that was gruesome. Uh, and they could have just left it at that, uh, but they didn't leave it at that. Uh, they said, Sunday school teacher uh, kills child. Uh, the child didn't even go to the church. Uh, this was just some woman who was involved in a church uh, and lost her mind. Uh, but you'll notice the media never says, uh, target employee kills somebody. They never say Walmart worker kills somebody. They never bring up anybody else's, amen, side business. They never bring up anybody, what people do outside of that crime. They don't bring that up. But let you be a preacher. Let you be a Sunday school teacher. Let you be a Christian. And that will become the focal point of the crime, the motive of the crime. Amen. You know why? Not because this world just 
hates Christianity, not because this world has anti-religious sentiments. Uh, it's because they want to get let off the hook. Uh, they want it all to look fake uh, so they can dispose of any responsibility. And that has an effect on us. Uh, that has an effect on young people. Young people read the news. Uh, young people see the tweets. Uh, young people see the publicity stunts. Uh, and they say, you know what? Uh, I don't ever want to be labeled uh, as a religious fanatic, uh, as some crazy person. Uh, I don't want to be crazy. Uh, I want to be normal. Uh, let me tell you something. There's nothing normal about this world. Uh, everything in this world is abnormal. Uh, it's abject. Uh, and it is totally deprived uh, and deplorable. Come on, let's magnify Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, come on, come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. There's something in the environment. There is a threat, and it is targeting young people. It is targeting young people that are called to the ministry. It is targeting young people that have a call of God on their life. It is targeting uh, the next generation of prayer warriors. Uh, it is targeting uh, the next generation of church planters. Uh, it is targeting uh, a generation of missionaries. Uh, it is targeting... Amen. Amen. Pastor Booker, please forgive me. I hope this is not bad. But just a few weeks ago, our president tried to put, amen, uh, uh, fanatical Islamic attacks uh, on the same plane, uh, amen, as, as, as the Crusades. Uh, apparently, he did not take a good history lesson uh, because had it not been for the Crusades, uh, we'd all be on carpets right now praying to Allah. Uh, but he told us not to get on our high horse. Uh, and it would be very easy uh, to say he was just attacking the Catholic Church. Uh, but what he was really doing uh, is trying to make everybody feel ashamed uh, and embarrassed about being involved with any kind of religious activity. I got news for you, friend of mine. Amen. There is nothing more dignant, nothing more life nothing more rewarding uh, nothing more important uh, than spiritual business. Uh, spiritual business uh, amen is the best kind of Come on, I need some people to help me preach that you realize that had it not been for a friend uh, that talked to you uh, and put the kingdom first, uh, you'd still be on meth. Uh, you'd still be a crackhead. Uh, I need some people that maybe you never lived in sin, uh, but had somebody not witnessed to your grandfather uh, years ago, uh, your whole family would have been drunks. Uh, your whole family would have been lost. Uh, but here you are, uh, fourth, fifth, uh, sixth generation Pentecostal. Why? Because somebody put spiritual business uh, first. Uh, somebody put the kingdom first. Uh, somebody... This is not part of my message, but there is so much shame trying to cover, amen, people that are involved in Christianity. You know what I think? I think God is looking for some shameless people. I think God wants people that are not ashamed of carrying their Bible. They are not ashamed. Yes, that is my Bible on the hood of my car. Yes, I am going to church three times this week. Yes, I do vacuum the church. Yes, I do pray. Yes, I do fast. Yes, I do believe in creation. Yes, I do believe in God. Yes, I do believe. Yes, I do. Get shameless about it. Yes, I am one of those dancers. Yes, I am one of those shouters. Yes, I am one of those tongue talkers. Yes, I am. Yes, I did. Yes, I did give up a good job to serve Jesus. Yes, I did. Yes. Come on, come on, come on, come on.
the Holy Ghost is in here. Everybody is after the kids. The toy companies are after the kids. The music industry is after the kids. You can't even get gas at Chevron without them trying to sell you a little toy. Everybody's after the kids. The food companies are after the kids. The drug dealers are after the kids. The pedophiles are after the kids. Pornography is after the kids. Everybody's after the kids. If everybody's after the kids, we ought to be after the kids too. Can I preach to you? Can I preach to you about a God uh, that's after the kids too? Uh, Amen. One of our favorite verses uh, is Deuteronomy 6 and 4. Uh, But let me remind you of the next verse. Uh, Teach this to your kids. Uh, One of our other favorite verses is Acts 2.38. But let me preach you Acts 2.39. For the promise is unto you uh, and unto your children. Uh, God's after the kids too. It's time for the church to wake up. Uh, and get after the kids. You ought to pray for the youth leader every day. You ought to pray for the Sunday school department every day. You ought to pray for anybody in this church uh, that has contact with kids uh, every day. uh, That God anoint them. uh, That God empower them. uh, That God fight. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Oh, come on, every hand lifted up. The Holy Ghost is talking right now. Jesus I'm going to preach to the young people in just a few minutes but let me preach to the adults before I transition in this message there came a point in my life where when I first came to God I determined I was going to win as many people as I could to God I began with my family amen it wasn't too long until I realized that my aunts and uncles didn't want anything to do with God it wasn't too long until I realized amen that my relatives weren't too interested in what I was preaching uh, but it didn't take me long to figure out uh, that not only were they not interested in what I was preaching but they weren't too interested in their kids either Uh, the devil had hoodwinked them and bamboozled them uh, amen to give up their kids uh, amen in our society today the amen they will try to convince you to give up your kids just as quick as you can Uh, they'll even offer you money to give up your kids Uh, they'll they'll But I told myself, I said, if you don't want it, I'll come after your kids. Amen. And I started working on my nieces and on my nephews. Could they pay a tithe? No. Amen. Were they noisy? Yes. Amen. Were they a headache? Just about every time I brought them to church. But I remember the day I brought them to church and they got freaked out of their mind. But I told them, don't be afraid. This is Jesus. And I remember one after the other lifting their hands. Mama didn't want it. Daddy didn't want it. But little Johnny got it. Amen. Mama didn't want it. Daddy didn't want it. But little Lisa got it. Amen. They speak in tongues. Come on. Come on. If their parents don't want it, go after the kids. Go after the kids. Go You want to talk about investing? That's investing. That's investing. That's investing. I remember, this is my very last spiel here to the adults. 
There are adults, quite frankly, and I, I you know, I, I, I try to be nice. And I hope I've been nice the whole time I've been here. But let me say this. There are some of us, and I, I include myself in the us, that we just, quite frankly, we need to wipe the dust off our walk with God. Quite frankly, we need to get rededicated and win a soul, at least one, every year. We need to get back on our knees. We need to take the search for truth chart out from under the bed, out from behind the armoire, out from the closet, and start praying, God, give me a soul before 2016. God, I've not won a soul in a few years. That is not okay. God, I've been so tied up with my job, with the troubles in my marriage, with my money, and I have forgotten about my first love. I have forgotten about my first calling. God, I I'm sorry and I don't just repent in word I repent in deed right now and I'm gonna get back out there and I'm gonna get back out there and I'm gonna get back out there and win me a soul and win me a soul I remember when I was attending the church where I was one to God, I told God, I want to win a soul every year. I don't want to go a year without winning a soul. When I first went to my church and I got one to God there, our church was quite an empty little place. We had just a few Vietnam veterans and some elderly ladies. Amen. But when God won me and my friends to the to the, to the gospel, amen, we begin to just go wild, huh? I mean, we brought all our friends, we brought strangers, huh? we did outreach in the morning, we did outreach in the middle of the day, we did outreach at night, people, I'm telling you, there is nothing more gratifying, nothing more gratifying, huh? amen, than winning a soul to God, huh? it will make you feel alive, invigorated, if you feel like you're half backslid, just, just go win a soul, get back into the work of God, get back into the will of God, get back into the flow of God and it won't be too long until you find yourself on fire I remember I said, God, I want to win a soul every year. Every year. God, give me a soul every year. I was, I, 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 I was going to work one day and I had to catch the train to work and I, I had this little orange Gideon Bible I read. And I read it openly. And uh, this, this, this young man began talking to me. And I could tell immediately that he was, he was mentally challenged. He was not all there. And I, I remember being at first kind of out of touch. <laughs> I don't know how else to put it. I was just out of touch. And I, I, I was trying to wrap up the conversation and in the middle of it, I just got a hold of myself. I just shook myself. People, I refuse to fall asleep. It's, it's while men sleep that the enemy sows seeds. We've got to shake ourselves. Every once in a while when you go to the supermarket, you've got to shake that spirit off of, I'm just, I'm just here to buy the groceries. No, I am here to be a light and a witness. I, everywhere I go, God, open doors. Everywhere I go, God, God commanded the Israelites to put the commandments on their door so that when they left their house they were immediately reminded of what they were and when they came back in the house uh, they were reminded of what they were the minute we step out of the door of our house we've got to remember what we are we've got to remember what we are Come on. Jesus help me Jesus help me Come on, let's pray. The Holy Ghost is here. I know it's Monday night. I promise you I won't keep you here longer than I have to. Come on, I promise you. I promise you. Come on, but let's, let's, let's let this get into our spirit. We got the rest of the week off. Let's try to get this into our hearts. Come on, I need the calling of God to fall on somebody. I need the calling of God to fall on somebody. God sent me here tonight on a mission. I want to see that mission come. I shook myself, Gavin. I said, I'm going to talk to this guy. He was not all there. He did not have all his faculties. And I told him, I said, I, 
His name was Ron. I said, Ron, I said, would you like to be baptized in Jesus' name? I just figured let's get it out of the way. And he kind of looked very startled at me. And the train came and I said, Ron, we were going to the same city. I said, just sit next to me on the train. And as he sat next to me on the train, I told him about baptism in Jesus' name. I told him about the infilling of the Holy Ghost, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And he said, I'll do whatever. I don't care. And I said, I will pick you up this Sunday for church. He said, okay. He gave me his address. I went to go pick him up. He lived in a big house off in the hills. I thought, wow, this guy. I called him on the cell phone. I said, Ron, I'm downstairs. He came downstairs. I took Ron to church. <laughs> in, the, in the song service, we didn't even have musicians, okay? We did not. We had a tambourine. It was a home mission church. We had a tambourine and we played that offbeat. And in the middle of the song service, I'm like, I have Ron with me. And, you know, I gave him the whole speech. Don't be worried. It's okay. We had wooden floors in that church. And in the middle of the song service, God says, roll. And I'm thinking, I got enough rolls. I don't need to be, I don't need to be rolling. And I felt the Holy Ghost say, roll. And I thought, no. And you know how you do it. Well, if they sing that song four more times, backwards. And just my luck, they did it four more times, backwards. So I'm thinking, okay. So I hit the floor, and I start rolling. And Ron freaks out. I mean, Ron runs up to me, and he's just not all there. And, he, and he's screaming, are you Okay. Are you okay? <laughs> and I'm laying on the floor. I got this, Ron. It's okay. <laughs> Anyways, I get up. This is the gospel truth. I get up and I tell him, Ron, I want to pray for you. He says, let's pray. I laid my hands on Ron's head. And in just a few seconds, he began to speak in other tongues. I took Ron, this was a little home mission church, I took Ron to my pastor's house. He had, a, he had a, a horse trough in the back. I baptized Ron. Ron came out of the water speaking in tongues. I mean, really, it was glorious. It was beautiful. I took Ron home. I dropped him off at his house. In just a few days, my phone begins to ring. It was Ron's number. I answered, but it wasn't Ron. It was a woman on the phone, and she said, have you been have you been bringing my son to church and praying for him and doing all this stuff? I said absolutely. She said, "What kind of church do you go to?" I said, "I go to a Pentecostal church." She said, I know exactly what kind of people you are. She said, years ago, she said, I went to a church at 878 Boynton Avenue. The pastor's last name was Shoemake. She said, they baptized me in Jesus' name. She said, but I didn't want to live that way. She said, I, how did you get a hold of my son? She was highly upset. But I thought to myself as she was cussing me out, I thought, lady, the promise was still to your boy. And he still got it. And you can't stop this. You can't stop this your come on come on come on somebody needs to shake the dust off their walk with God get the dust off your calling shake the dust off come on let's magnify Jesus When I came to God, and I hope I don't cause more problems here than I do good. When I came to God, I had a full paid scholarship to one of the most prestigious art academies in California. 
It was totally paid for. I had been going to school. I had been expelled from just about every school. Amen. I had first suspended and then I was expelled from the school district. I remember the day my principal sat me down in front of my family. She put her finger in my face. She said, you will never be nothing. But I could draw. I could paint. And I got a full paid scholarship to a very prestigious art academy. I kid you not. I don't even have time to get into it. I was going to art school. Paid. Paid. Almost half a million dollars. Paid. One day, I was coming out of class. There was, a, there was a guy sitting. I was going to school in San Francisco. There was a guy sitting on the corner. He looked homeless, but he wasn't homeless. I could tell when I got closer to him that he wasn't homeless. His nails were cut and his teeth were clean. And he told me, he said, he said, I had just started going to church. He said, do you go to church? I said, I do. He said, can I talk to you? I said, absolutely. I carried a little black Bible in my backpack, and I took my Bible out, and we got to talking about the things of God. Brother, that guy gave me a Bible thumping I will never forget. I mean, he let me have it. He basically, he told me, look at you. Because I still, I was in church, but I was still looking very worldly. I wasn't really connecting. I, I was just kind of wading in the water. I was just kind of floundering. And he sensed it. And, and I don't, it's really an incredible story. Don't have time to go into it. But he just let me have it. He said, you're not, you're not even the real deal. You're faking it. I could tell you're lukewarm. And he just started quoting scripture after scripture and just slicing and dicing. And he just gave me a royal Bible whooping like I've never had. I, I remember going back to my classroom that day all beaten, bloody, and bruised spiritually. And I sat in class and the, 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 the teacher was talking but it just, you know, I, I felt like I was Charlie Brown. You know, the teacher and Charlie, wah, 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 wah. I just, I couldn't hear anything the teacher was saying. All I can feel was like that little black Bible in my backpack was on fire and it was calling me. I told myself that day in the class, I said, I will never, never ever let myself be treated like that again. I will live for God with all of my heart. I will memorize this book. I will read it day and night. I will give my life to Jesus. I remember that day I walked out of that class and I never went back to school again. I had a lot of crummy jobs. I had a lot of bad situations. But in the process of it all, I won a lot of people to God. I taught a lot of Bible studies to homeless people, to millionaires, to drug addicts, uh, to successful people. Uh, I won so many people to God. Uh, and I'm telling you right now, I saw it time after time. Uh, people come out of the water, uh, speaking in tongues, uh, realizing for the first time ever, uh, this is what I've been looking for all my life. Uh, this is what I, and there's nothing that can replace that. Uh, there's nothing that can take the place of that feeling. There's nothing I'm almost done. You know, God pulled Noah out of a violent, unthankful, unholy world. Noah was affected by his environment. It would have been impossible for Noah not to have some resonance of his environment. And God put Noah in a boat filled with nonverbal creatures that he had to take care of. In a self-serving world, Noah was put into another world where nothing ever said thank you. Where no nothing ever talked back. Where he had to hear non-audible things and be sensitive. He had to know when to feed those animals, how to feed those animals, and not a one of them ever said thank you on the way out. There was not a rooster, a giraffe, a kangaroo that ever said, hey, thanks, bro. And Noah learned 
Noah learned that what's more important is what I'm told to do. It doesn't matter if I don't get thank yous. It doesn't matter if I don't get accolades. It doesn't matter if if nobody ever sees. It doesn't matter if these things are grateful or not. What matters is my calling. I get asked all the time by young people, how do you feel about being an evangelist? I tell them, it doesn't matter how I feel about being an evangelist. What matters is that I obey what God told me to do. I can't tell you how many people I've won to God. They don't say thank you. They don't stick around they leave, they're ungrateful, they rip your, they take your money, amen, they use you, they abuse you in some case, but I don't care, I don't care, I'm going to answer the call, I'm going to answer the call, I'm not doing this for accolades, I'm not doing this for my pastor to pat me on the back, I don't care if I don't get a five spot at the conference, I don't care if I make young preacher of the year I don't care it's not about that it's about I know what I felt at the altar at youth conference I know what I felt at youth camp I know what I heard when I was praying in my room I know what God told me I have to answer the call I have to answer the call I have to Come on, let's magnify Jesus here just for a second. Let's just be honest. Let's just be honest. There's a lot of casualties of war, but you can't let the casualties of war discourage you. Can I tell you, I remember being, I remember being in church just a few months. I remember going to PSR for the first time. I remember hearing Joel Urshan preach. I remember thinking, wow, an 18-year-old guy can do that. That is amazing. I remember going to the altar and praying my guts out. You know what else I remember? I remember as I was praying my guts out because I could feel the call on my life. I remember putting my arm uh, over my eyes and then lifting my head and I saw five or six guys and one of them was good old Joel Booker and and, and can I tell you the other guys that I saw, they were preachers too and now when I look around and I put my head up, it's only me and this guy right here still preaching but I'm not going to let all the backsliders I'm not going to let all the people that fall out discourage me amen from jumping in the water I'm not going to let all the people and all the casualties of war, there's just casualties of war honey, there's nothing you could do about it. There's people that mess up. There's people that fail. But I'm not going to get my eyes on the fail. I'm going to get my eyes on Jesus. I'm not going to get my eyes on the people that go backwards. I'm going to get my eyes. Oh, come on, come on, come on. I, I told Joel the other day, I said, you know, I met Joel just, I got to know Joel just a few years, and I'm not bragging on Joel, though I think Joel's a great guy. But, but I remember just a few years after that, I met Joel at a, at a, at a conference. And, and, and I remember, I, you know, if you live for God, your life just moves at a different velocity, people. God, God does not, as far as God's concerned, he'll give you DSL or high speed. It's up to him. But if he wants to, he'll give you good old-fashioned dial-up. And if he really wants to, he'll give you snail mail too. God is not interested at moving at the world's clock. Let me tell you something about speed. Speed distorts perception. Most of you would be shocked if I told you, though it's true, that the lines on the freeway, those lines you see, those little... Divided lines on the side of the road in the middle of the freeway lanes. Those things are 10 feet long with 30 feet in between each of them. 
Most people don't believe me. <laughs> when you're going fast, they look like they're two feet long with two feet in between them. But they're really 10 feet long with 30 feet in between them. Speed distorts perception. And our world is moving so fast. And people have a wrong perception of things. And I see young people that if God doesn't hit fast forward on their life, they get all discouraged, all bent out of shape, all bitter, mad at the pastor, mad at their parents, mad at, hey, just hang on in there. Jesus said that in the last days we would have to possess our souls in patience. Patience. You may not get married when everybody else is getting married. Every, you may not get all the... Oh, Jesus, help me. I remember I did not get married right away. I had friends getting married. I, everybody was getting married except for me. And I thought, this is not good. There is something wrong with me. But I remember I, 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 it took Joel quite some time to get married. And I thought, if Joel Booker's not married and I'm not married, I'm okay. Amen. I'm still normal. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. I knew Joel was normal, and I thought, well, if he's normal and he's not married, I'm okay. Amen. You, you, you got to get this, young person. It doesn't matter what everybody else is doing. It doesn't matter the speed at which everybody else is moving. What matters is, are you answering the call, even if it moves slow? Are you answering the call? Even if it's dial-up, are you answering the call? Come on, come on, come on. I'm, this is my last point, and I'm sorry. You know, the Egyptians thought shepherds are an abomination. And God said, when I reveal where I'm coming from, I'll reveal myself first to a shepherd. And I remember, I'll never forget the day, I drove the church van. I drove the church van. Whatever needed to be done, I was going to do it. And listen, I didn't play the fake humble role and say, well, if God, if you want to use me, then... Have the pastor walk up to me. I told the pastor that he was going to be getting help whether he likes it or not. I lived in a house full of young single men that were moving at the speed of dial-up. And uh, we all lived together. And one of my roommates, I remember he was probably about 20 at the time. He got cancer. He couldn't drive himself to church. I would take him to church in the church van. We'd leave from the house. I picked up a bunch of Spanish people, people that did not even know English. I picked up people that were mentally challenged. And I'll never forget the day that I was sitting in the van, my guy full of cancer next to me, few people not even in their right mind behind me, and the rest of the van full of people that don't even speak English. And I remember, I remember thinking I had all these young friends. They were out preaching, doing revivals, doing all kinds of stuff. And I thought, what am I doing with my life? And I thought about the college I left. And I thought, what? And you know, if that wasn't bad enough, both my mother and my father called me regularly to ask me what I was doing with my life. And reminded me that I had a college and reminded me that I gave up, amen, to, and reminded me and asked me, where are you giving all your money and where are you? And, you know, it was funny. Nobody cared when I was drunk, suicidal, drug addict, not even going to, losing my mind. And all of a sudden I get involved with these church people and everybody becomes a theologian. Everybody wants to discuss the Bible all of a sudden and its veracity and its validity. I'm telling you people. sitting in the van crying, sobbing. I went and I dropped everybody off at church. I asked my pastor, can I please talk to you? He said, certainly my pastor's a good man. God bless him. And I remember we went in the back room and I remember just crying and I remember yelling at him and I remember telling him, I'm sick of this. I'm sick of this. I'm sick of this. 
And I remember he just sat there and he took it and he took it and he took it and he looked back at me and he said, Brother Prado, what you don't understand is that one day everything you're doing here will make the difference out there. And God, God is teaching you something here. You've got you've to endure the refining process, Brother Prado. And I remember I didn't understand. And I remember the devil worked overtime to try to get me to think like an Egyptian and think this pastor's what's holding me back. This pastor's what's slowing down the process. And my pastor was the guy that was the most for me. But the devil would talk in my ear day and night and try to get me crossed up with my authority and try to think and try to get me to think that he was the reason, amen, that things weren't moving like they should. Nothing could have been further from the truth. If God loves you, he'll slow you down. If God's hand is really on your life, things will just move at a different rhythm for you than they will for everybody else. Else, uh, and you're just going to have to endure and you're just going to have to grit your teeth and you're just going to have to believe this chubby preacher when I tell you uh, amen that the longer it takes uh, the greater the anointing uh, the longer it takes the longer it takes, the greater the call, the greater the purpose. I'd rather have God take his time and me be able to answer the call without ending up shipwrecked, amen, than get promoted quickly and end up losing my soul. I'd rather have God work on me and work on me and work on me. Oh, Jesus. Oh, come on. God's talking to somebody right now. We need to lift our hands and pray. The Holy Ghost is talking to someone right now. Let me say this, and we're going to have a good altar call. You know what I know, Gavin? I know a lot of good young couples that have a call of God on their life. They're entering into that call of God on their life. They are educated. They have their degrees. Both them and their wife work. And you know what? They're struggling financially. I'm preaching to some young couples right now. There are times when no matter how much, no, you could be a Dave Ramsey Nazi. And you still won't have enough. And you'll still struggle. It's God's design. Because God would rather teach you how to have, how to have a home than a house. I'm telling you right now, I know what it is to eat beans and rice and look at my wife and cry our eyes out and refuse to ask anybody for money and say, we're going to keep on giving and giving and giving and giving and giving and giving. I know what it is to cry my eyes out over beans and rice and my friends are buying houses. I know what it is to cry my eyes out because I'm packing my car full of, full of strollers and car seats and we barely fit and my friends are buying Mercedes and Lexuses and, and all kinds of state-of-the-art vehicles uh, and I'm driving down the road. Uh, I know what it is to go through all that. Uh, but you know what? Uh, I also know what it is to see people sell out the call of God. Uh, amen. For a house, for a job, for a degree. And I see them. They're miserable. They're unhappy. Used to shout in the front. Uh, now they sit in the back. Uh, used to be in the choir. Uh, now they don't even show up on time. You can take this world. You can take this. Give me Jesus. I remember one day, I remember one day I got a call from Sam. I, I don't want this on the podcast, on the internet. I remember I got a call one day from my best friend, converted Muslim. Too, but I will not let somebody who worships a false god 
a false god out worship me out pray me i will out Come on, get zealous, get zealous, get zealous, get zealous. I can hear the voice of Jesus saying, the zeal of thine house, the zeal of thine house. Come on, it's moving, it's moving, it's moving, it's moving. Come on, young lady, quit being embarrassed, quit being ashamed. Come on, young lady, come on, young lady, come on, young lady, quit hiding the call, quit veneering it, quit covering it, quit hiding it. It's here. It's here. Come on, the call is here. The call is here. The call is here. I'm preaching to some young couples. You've been getting bitter because there's no finances. You need to grab your wife's hand and you need to get up here and say, Jesus, whatever you're doing, whatever you're doing, have your perfect will in my life. Have your perfect will in our lives. We're here, Jesus. We're here, Jesus. We'd rather be members of this church. We'd rather be involved in this ministry than anything else in this life, Jesus. There are visitors, there are visitors that are here tonight ever since you were a kid. You know that God has been calling you. You need to get yourself up here too. I'm not just preaching to the church. There are visitors here that you know God talks to you. God deals with you. God. Yeah, yeah. 